And I look and my phone has all these messages saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I was just like, what is going on? And I find out that my best friend passed away. And so I immediately called Matthew and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I can't. I mean, it just felt like my heart was ripped out of my chest. And I had never, ever, ever experienced pain like that before. Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives, in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. I have the honor of interviewing a friend, which funny enough, we've been friends virtually, virtually in this world of technology. Um, we met, uh, let's say probably in April uh, in an online event and we uh, we have been having these like meaningful conversations and discussions and deepenings virtually. And uh, just last week we were talking about the co- the the topic of life after death, and she shared briefly a story of her life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Amber, I have to have you on and the episode of a podcast. And so she agreed, and that's why she's here. So Amber, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful that you agreed to be on the podcast and share a little bit about your story. But let's start off a little bit sharing a little bit about you. So we're both in the text in the Dallas, Texas area. And because of the situation we have, what we're currently living right now, we have not met in person, but, um, but we've been talking at least once a week yes. <laughs> in these discussions. <laughs> but where, how long have you lived in Texas? Because you're not from here originally. So how long have you lived here? I have lived here since I was about nine years old. Um, my family, we moved here from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when my dad got a job here. So I pretty much kind of grew up here. Oh, so you have. Oh, you see. Mm-hmm. So, so because I remember the, the, uh, the East Coast reference, I totally oh, thought yeah. that it was recent <laughs> that you had moved. Oh, you see, see, I still have a lot more to learn about you. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and you are one of how many siblings? I have an older brother. An older brother. Okay. And um, what did you get? Did you go to school for college? Did Yes, I did. I actually uh, went to SMU. So I kind of stayed very local. In the in the in Texas during that time, uh, during school, so high school, so you did all of elementary, pretty well. The yeah, the last couple of years of elementary, all of mm-hmm. middle school, high school, college, everything yep. in the Texas area, everything. <laughs> <In the Dallas laughs> okay, so have you been abroad at any period of your time and your career? Um, actually, 
Well, when I was in high school, I was able to go to Italy for about a month, which was a lot of fun. Uh, my cousin got married in Italy. So that was that was a lot of fun. I'm hoping to travel abroad again as an adult because at the time I wasn't really immersed in the culture. I was more concerned with, oh my God, I'm 17 and I can drink wine. Oh, because you're in that, because you were in, 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 uh, in Italy where that's like yes. not, yeah, <laughs> that's water just, for them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was just like, you know what? I don't care about the Sistine Chapel. I want to drink wine. I can Google the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to experience, you wanted to have the, the experience of what Italians actually uh, experience yeah. as they live there rather than the touristy kind of thing. Okay. And so what did you go to school for? What did you study? So I went to school for journalism and um, actually accidentally kind of minored in business. And I had decided I wanted to be a business journalist. And um, I did that for a little while after college, but it really was not paying. And um, I had actually went to the performing arts high school Uh, Booker T. Washington, and I studied dance. But then when I had injured my knee my junior year, I took some acting classes. And I remember the, um, she was, I believe she was the drama coordinator um, of the school, but she kept telling me I really need to pursue acting. And so when I went to college, I took a couple acting classes as electives. And my professor again told me I really need to pursue acting. And so after my uh, journalism stint, I went to California and I said, you know what, I'm going to pursue acting. So I moved out to California and um, I was working as a background actor full time. I had gigs six days a week, which was, I didn't know at the time, which was kind of rare. Yeah, but, that is um, rare. What year was that? In? <laughs> what year was that? That was about 2014. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That is, that is rare to be able to get consistent, you know, uh, jobs, you know, every day of the week. That's really pretty amazing. I mean, me, I'm, we have that in common, the, the theater component, the acting oh, component great. here. Cause that's what I majored. That's where I lived was in California and that's where I went to school. Um, so, okay. So then you did that for how long then? How long were you in, in the LA area, California for doing that? I was there for about a couple of years. Oh, that's good. That's so you did leave the nest. I knew you see when I, I was did. asking, I'm like, but you you did leave the nest for a I little did. bit. <laughs> you you flew, you flew. I did. Um so that so that's what you had kind of made reference to when you were sharing a little bit about your story. That mm-hmm. is the one we're gonna touch upon now. So it was um uh, there that you found out the news of the passing of an ex-boyfriend, correct? Is that? Yes. Was, yes. So let, before we go over those details, so tell us a little bit about this, um, this friend and this boyfriend, or at that time boyfriend, how did you meet him? What was his name? Tell us a little bit about your relationship. Um, and then we'll dive into the conversation. Perfect. Yeah. So his name was Matthew and, uh, we actually met when I was in Florida briefly. Um, I was only there for maybe a couple weeks, just vacationing, but we really connected. Um, and we became 
the best of friends instantly. Um, and I, I don't know, it's funny because he would always kind of flirt, but then I saw him flirt with a bunch of girls and, and we just, we always remained such close friends. And it wasn't until maybe a couple years later when I actually lost my best friend. Um, she had oh. heart problems. And how old was he, she? How old, she? how old was she? She was 23. Oh, wow. This was yeah. a major. Was this your first grief experience? Was her death or had you had any other major grief experiences prior to that? I had my aunt that passed away when I was 16, but with that one, it was expected. She was in the hospital for a while. So we kind of knew that was happening. Mm -hmm. But with my best friend, it was, you know, I, because I talked to her every day on the phone. So we had said, good night. I love you. Went to sleep. And then mm -hmm. I wake up the next day. I go to work and um, I was waiting tables at the time. And I look and my phone has all these messages saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I was just like, what is going on? And I find out that my best friend passed away. And so I immediately called Matthew and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I can't. I mean, it just felt like my heart was ripped out of my chest. And I had never, ever, ever experienced pain like that before. Like I couldn't even stand up. And so he was there for me. He, since he lived in Florida, he wasn't able to physically be there, but he, um, you know, we did Skype and he was really there for me um, on the phone. He was just like, you know, I don't care what time it is. If you just want me to sit on the phone, that's what I'll do. Mm. Were you guys dating at that time or were you still just friends during that moment when he was supporting we, you through your your first really major grief experience? So we were just still friends at the time. Mm -hmm. And um and it so wasn't what until were some of the after. ways that you yeah afterwards. Okay, but how what were some of the ways that you were managing um your grieving process? What was her name, your friend's name? Her name was Samantha, but I called her Sammy. Okay. So after Sammy's death, like what were some of the things that you would talk to him? What were other, mm -hmm. so that was one of the ways that you were able to manage your grief was having your friend as a support. What other mm -hmm. tools did you have in your toolbox at that time to manage your grief? Um, honestly, at the time I handled it so poorly I um I tried to deny that she wasn't gone so I kept telling myself we're in an argument and she's just not talking to me right now because I just could not deal with it and um then once I started kind of accepting it I just kept looking at pictures of her. I kept going through text messages. I kept calling her phone just to hear the voicemail. Um, and then I would just like, I was still posting on her Facebook. And sometimes I would just, you know, hope that I would get some kind of response somehow. 
but I knew, you know, I wasn't going to. Did you have um, any spiritual beliefs at that time that helped you or any, you know, for that kind of connection, even though she was not there, like when you finally clicked, like when it finally clicked, mm-hmm. okay, she's definitely not going to respond. She's not, you know, like to right. these voice messages or she's not going to respond to it. Like, so when the, when you accepted the reality of her death, like what then, what, what was a, something else that you were able to hold on to at that moment? It's interesting because I had a dream about her and um, she didn't appear in my dream, but in the dream, I had picked up my phone and I saw a text message from her and it said, Amber, I'm fine. You can move on. Wow. Wow. This is how, how much after her death, do you remember? How much longer did you have this dream? This was probably maybe six months after. Did that bring you comfort at that moment then seeing that in your dream? Yes, it did. It definitely did. I was just like, okay, she's like, you know, her presence is still there, but you know, she's, um, she's telling me it's okay. And at first, you know, we're selfish people sometimes, but I was just like, well, why didn't she come to me all the way? Why did she just send me a text message? You know, why didn't she come to But I think she knew that I would not have been able to handle that. Hmm. <laughs> That's so, it's so funny. Like what you're saying, that makes me laugh because there's been times <laughs> in, um, in which like people that I know, like I have a, a really good friend that she would told me, it's like, oh, I dreamt with your sister last night. And mm-hmm. she was, she was sitting at the edge of the bed and she, and I was like, oh, I'd be like, how come I don't dream with her and my friend does? Like, you know, yes. <laughs> I was like, how come I? and I'd be like, maybe it's just that I just don't remember the dream, you know? Like, right. be... <laughs> so maybe I maybe I do dream. I just don't remember it. But it was kind of like that, a little bit of that jealousy. Like, how come she yes. came to her dream and not to me? <laughs> right. Why didn't she come all the way? Why didn't we hang out? Why? Why did you? Why, why did she did just send, send me a text? Yeah, that all I am to you. <laughs> the drama, the drama yeah. of Amber. Can you know? There you're like all dramatic. Why? Exactly. Um, why? So then, so then, um, so then, Matthew was helping you then in your grieving process. He's in Florida. Did that uh, then start making you kind of like him more? Like, at what point did your relationship then with Matthew start shifting in in that friendship. I think when there was one day he said something to me and I was just like, okay, I gotta be with this guy. <laughs> because he <laughs> was just like, what did he say? He said, he said something along the lines of, anytime you're not strong enough to carry yourself, I'll carry you. Hmm. And of course, if any woman hears that, you're just like, you know what? Bets are off. Yes. (laughs) Had he already, had he already professed like his feelings to you at that, at at, at any point or just still with just friendship? Um, there were kind of hints here and there. Like he would always jokingly say, you know, if we don't meet 
someone, then you and I are just going to get married and have kids. (laughs) And I was just like, you know what? Fair. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So then when did you guys start dating then? So how long after you guys had been just friends, did you actually then start dating? Well, long distance relationship because you were here in Texas, you were in Florida. So when, when did the dynamics of your friendship change? I would say probably maybe a a month or two after I realized like, you know what? I could be with him. And so we were just like, after after he said that, after he said that, you mean, after he said that comment of the, I will carry you, but this Mm -hmm. is how much longer after you had met him. Oh, after I had met him. So it had to have been maybe two years. Oh, you guys. Yeah. You guys had a solid friendship. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, so then tell, take us a little bit then of the relationship and then what happened afterwards. So I know we, we had a long distance relationship and we were, um, we were planning to, I think I was planning to go. Yes. I was planning to go to Florida for a few days to see him. And, um, I can't remember, but something came up and then we tried to plan again and then he flaked on me again. And I just, that was starting to kind of bug you. Cause yeah, it was, it was really annoying me. And, and then we started arguing about that, uh, that I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make these efforts and it just feels like, you know, you want to keep it long distance and you know what, why? And so we just, kept fighting about that and then one day he was just like you know what I can't fight with you anymore we need to just break up and immediately I was like oh my god I'm gonna lose my friend (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know because you had also just lost your other friend so it was that aspect of not only yeah the relationship you were more worried about the losing this friend Mm -hmm. yeah a friendship and I think it was it was a little harder, you know, knowing that he's there, but I can't talk to him. And it was so just, it was so frustrating to me. But I understand now that he just was like, you know what, we need a clean break for now. So we didn't talk for a good six months after we broke up. And then we connected on Facebook again. And it was just like, it was like old friends. Like we just didn't even talk about the relationship at the time. And then we became really close, really fast again. And this was, um, I think this was about the time when I was getting ready to go to California. And then we we weren't talking every day like we were before, but we would still keep in touch. And then whenever I was in California, we started talking almost every day again. And I remember I had said to him, you know, you, you should come visit. I have, I'm uh, living in a house with two other girls on the beach. It would be so fun. And, and, you know, you would just have so much fun. And I remember he was kind of telling me that, he was having a hard time. And um, I just told him, you know what, just, you know, I was like, I know you live in Florida, and there's the Florida sun, but 
come and come to California. It's a lot of fun. And, and I said, plus there's, you know, there's girls in bikinis running around. You'll, you'll love it. (laughs) This is Baywatch, Baywatch. You're you're too young for the Baywatch. You're too young for the Baywatch days, although there was a movie remake, but you're, but you know what, you know, the reference. (laughs) Yes. I had a Baywatch Barbie though. Oh, you did? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So then, so did he ever go and visit or no? No. So actually, a couple days later is when Mm -hmm. I had my dream about him. And um, tell us a little bit about that dream. Another text message, or was this different <laughs> than, nope, this than one Sammy's was, dream? Was, yeah, this one was. He came to me, so I was uh-huh. I was a little happy about that. But <laughs> Matt had came to me in in the stream, and um, we just had the most perfect day together in California, where I was. And um, we, I think it was like it was still daytime in the dream, but. I went to go take a shower. I think we went to the beach or something. So I went to take a shower and he comes into the bathroom and I was just like, geez, I'm taking a shower. What are you doing? And he smiles and he says, you know, I I have to leave now. And I was just like, what do you mean? We I thought we were going to still hang out. And he was like, no, it's, it's, um, it's time for me to go. And then he smirks again and he looks I mean he was like he looked great like that by the way and then he (laughs) (laughs) he walks out and I wake up and I get a phone call from one of his friends and he said Matt passed away last night oh my gosh and this is just so you get the first thing you after your dream the first thing you get is a uh, sorry you wake up and you get this Mm -hmm. phone call Mhm. Yeah. Okay, so in that moment, what was your what was your reaction at that moment? Like what uh, was it because you had just seen him too. So mm-hmm. in your take take us through the emotions. So when I got the phone call, I in my heart I said I I already knew. Mm-hmm. I just knew. Because it just, it didn't make sense for him to be in my dream like that and so vivid. And, you know, whenever you have dreams about people that are still around, typically, I know for me, when I dream about, you know, my dad or my mom, they don't talk and I don't hear them say anything. And typically, it's almost like, like I'm not really manipulating the situation in my dream, but kind of am like, it's, it's things that, that my, my parents normally wouldn't do or say. Okay. So like, you know, you could recognize that the dream you had had was very unique. There was a difference in that dream than any. So when you, when you woke up, you knew there was a different feeling about it. Then you get the call and there was a Mm -hmm. sense of reassurance uh, uh, no, of knowing basically you already knew as he called because right. of the type of dream you had had so yes. was it a sense was there a feeling of calm be- to some extent because you had just 
seen him and already knew or was it more like of shock like I can't believe he came to my dream like what before you know like I can't believe he visited me basically before he passed or I after he was, passed we don't know the timing either right, right? what time had he had, what time had he you know do you know the timeline I know that he had A passed that that night the night before yeah so it had to have been my assumption is it had to have been right right when he passed and he I'm I'm wondering if maybe it was right before he you know he completely passed yeah that's what I'm thinking and it was a it was some calming and then it was also just like I can't believe it and then I felt like, wow, if I'm the the last person that he was just like, I got it. I, I have to get to her. Mm. It's just like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, wow, you know, that, that makes me realize how important I was in his life. Did that feeling help you in your grieving process? The knowing that that you had been special in his life, did that help you in your grief? It did, but or was it, it also how was it? Because now you didn't have somebody else. Yeah, because he had been there yeah. for you when Sammy died, and now who was gonna be there to help you in this other grief experience now? Right. And I felt really alone with that because I was just like, you're the one I turn to when somebody goes. So what now? And I was dating this guy at the time, but I just, I think I just kind of compared him to Matt and I was just like, you know, I'm never going to feel the same way about this guy. That was, was this the hard guy one. able to, yeah, like how was he then finding out when you told the guy, was he in California, the guy you were dating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was there. When you told him your ex-boyfriend had died, how was he, was he supportive? What was that, that kind of interaction then? He tried to be, but I was just like, you know, I don't. I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want you around me comforting me. Like, I, I'd rather be alone for this one. How interesting, right? Because, yeah, like mm-hmm. how different your experience was at that moment of how you wanted to grieve. You needed right. somebody when Sammy died to kind of be there mm-hmm. for you in that grieving process. But then now your support system who had been Matt, Matt or Matthew uh, during Sammy's death dies. And this, this time you want to kind of deal with this grief alone. Right. What other things did you do um, to help you? Do you, since you're a journalist or that mm-hmm. you started study journalism, do you write as a way of uh, processing your emotions? Is writing something you do like for your emotions? I, um, I did for the longest time. I had a journal 
but I um I think after that is when I had stopped writing in my journal because I was just like I don't I I think with Matt I was trying to bury it so I was like I don't want to be immersed in this grief so I don't want to write about it and I was just really hoping that he would come back in my dream but of course he didn't he it was you know that was him saying goodbye so you know selfish me again was just like why can't you just you did it once why can't you come back do it again whatever you did do it again <laughs> or at least you remembering if by again like like i say like maybe you do it just maybe you just don't remember right um, or he's so probably how, yeah, popping so, up <laughs> yeah now how about your roommates you said you had roommates how mm-hmm. how did they help you in that process or had they ever experienced something like that that they were able to be supportive at all, or did they not empathize? Had they been, you know what I mean? It's different when people have not gone through some right. experience. I actually didn't tell them. What? Yeah. It was like just business as usual with them. Like I was just like, Mm-mm. this is mine. This is mine to deal. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. So I didn't even tell them. Wow, Amber. Did they notice, like, would they notice your moods being different? Like, and you, how did you play that out? Like, this is the people you live with. Yeah. So I just kind of stayed in my room. And I also, I was working a lot. So I just, I ended up working even more trying to just, not even deal with it and then after work I would go to my friend's house and I would stay there till like four or five o'clock in the morning until everybody is asleep and then come in just because I was just like I don't I don't want to deal with it and then my friends like they were they were just they weren't like real friends they were more of like hang out and party friends so mm-hmm. I would always go to their house. So it was another way of avoidance. Yeah. Yeah. So it was still another avoidance. So when you'd Mm -hmm. go there, it was still not, you weren't even sharing with those people either. You were just, it was another distraction. So for you, you used work as a distraction, Mm -hmm. partying or whatever as a distraction uh, to not, you know, hanging out with people, you know, people and stuff, not talking about your emotions. So not, did you talk about his passing with your family? you know, or, or nothing at all to nobody. I talked to my aunt. I know I had told her, you know, that he passed. And then I told my mom. And then whenever she was just like, you know, my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, nope, 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 nope. We're not going there. I'm just telling you what's happening. I don't want, I don't want to, you know, go through the you know, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? I was like, I don't, I don't want to go through that. So then what were some of the things that you did that? So if you didn't talk to anybody, you didn't write, you didn't feel like writing mm-hmm. what you avoided for a while. Cause you were just distracting. So at what point did you start kind of 
unpacking these emotions then? I think when, um, you know, whenever I would be all by myself at the end of the day, after work, after being, you know, around people, I would just cry my eyes out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah that, I think that was the only way I was dealing with it but that no and that's fine so you were allowing those emotions to come out and this is mm-hmm. 2014 or 2015 what year was this because you said you had gone to California 2014 so what year did this happen what year did he pass away I want to say this was probably about 2015 2015 so you still were in California. At what point did you come back to um, to Texas? And then how has what does the grief look like now? What is your grief after the passing of Sammy and the passing of Matthew look like now? Well, I came back to Texas about a year later, and one of the first things I did actually when I came back to Texas was I went to visit Sammy's grave. And um, I actually haven't done that since, which it's been like four years now, but I went to visit her grave and that really helped me, I think, um, because before I could not talk about her without crying. There was no way. Mm. But now I just, I really just focus on the time that I had with these people I feel like with with Sammy, she knew me like nobody else knew me and she had my back like nobody else had my back. And I just think about um, there was this guy I was dating. I think I was maybe like 21, but she had found out that he was cheating on me. And so <laughs> he, she goes and confronts him at a bar and she was like, listen. <laughs> Amber she is my best friend. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh. And she was like, "You are not going to treat her that way. She deserves so much better than you." And I had no idea that she did this until years oh, later. You were... <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't even there. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so she just <laughs> what a yeah. Big friend. <laughs> she was a really really good friend and then she also um she was a really good writer and she would send me things that she would write and I would just be like oh my god Sam this is amazing you need to you need to you know do something with this and when I, I remember when I was at her funeral her mom was just like oh my god Sam just thought so highly of you when you told her she was a good writer she was just you know, she was like, oh my God, Amber thinks I'm a good writer. She's a real writer and she thinks I'm a good writer. And I, I just thought that was amazing. But yeah, I was like that girl, like, I was like, oh, I thought I was good, but (laughs) she was real good. You were both, you had both admired each other, um, Mm -hmm. which is so, you know, so beautiful in a, in a friendship where you could, you know, look up to somebody like that. And you both actually did that for each other. Um, do you feel that knowing that she felt so highly about your writing, does that inspire you to want to do more with your writing in general now or, or not? 
Because sometimes I it could go so. the other way. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because I just, it's funny because um, I'll have people tell me like, you really need to pick up your writing again. You need to do something with your writing. And so I, I've started to write for myself again, just a little, you know, little by little, but I would love to um, maybe write some short stories and, you know, write, actually write about Sam and Matt and um, maybe make some short or, you know, not make up short stories, but just write short stories about, about our time together. Mm-hmm. And even if it's for you, like, again, that's why it surprised me that you have not re- used writing as your way of grieving, you know, or mourning um, their death, because mm-hmm. being that is, is something you do. A lot of times we end up using the tools we already have, you know, as ways of expressing right. that. Um so it, it, it may, even if it's because grief, you know, keeps going, it just changes, right? With the mm-hmm. time, it, but it's still there. So it may be an interesting way of keeping on unpacking some of that and the emotions and seeing what comes on on paper may be very different than what comes up when you share their stories, telling them, you know, like right. when you write it, since it is something that you do. Um, what do you feel has been something that you can see that you are grateful for in this process of this very painful experience of losing your best friend? I will just say two really best, you know, your two best friends, just mm-hmm. because that's what Matthew really more represented for you more than even yeah. your relationship. So what would you say is something you could be grateful for in this in the it within amidst the pain of grief I would say that um one of the main lessons that these two losses taught me is that you have to really um hold your relationships with people dearly and don't ever think oh I'll just call him tomorrow because you may not get that chance. So I don't, um, I don't hesitate to tell the people around me that I love them every chance I get. I, you know, I don't hesitate to tell them how much they mean to me all the time. You know, even with my mom, I just tell her all the time, you are the literally an angel on earth. And I love you so much. And I tell her that every single day. So I just try to make sure that everybody around me knows how much they mean to me. It's made you value those relationships and making sure that they know how much they're meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. So that is that is beautiful. Now, have you been able to build friendships like the ones you had with them now? No, I have not. I feel like what my friendships I have they're... are surface. Mm-hmm. We could go deeper into this part. 
but I don't know if it's for the podcast, but we could go deeper into that part, <laughs> into that conversation <laughs> for sure. Um, do, is there, I'll just ask quickly, do you fear, mm -hmm. do you fear bonding as much as you did with Sammy and with Matthew? Again, do you fear feeling the pain you felt from losing them again? I think some of it is that, and then a lot of it too, is that I'm just like, these are two great people that I don't think anybody will ever compare to them. Hmm. And then it's, it may be strange, but I always feel like Samantha would be, you know, kind of like, how dare you replace me? Really? Do you, do you think so? <laughs> really? Even after that text she sent you in your dream? Yeah, I know. I just, I guess, <laughs> just knowing how she was when she was alive, she was very, very possessive. Like, if, if you called me, you know, if, if anybody said, oh, Amber's my best friend, she'd be like, no, she's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I I bet that in journaling you'll be able to probably process some of that and realize that it, it it's probably she'd want you to be able to have those kind of relationships. You know how we were talking when we were talking about the life after because this is how I found out a little bit about the dream that you had had because we were talking deeply about this subject um, mm -hmm. last week and um, and that aspect of the attachments you know to this you know, th there's no more attachment to this world, you know, after mm -hmm. somebody's passing. So even those things of the attachments to the friendships, as much as they still love us, I bet that that aspect is probably not, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she's not holding on to that part of being the jealousy, yeah. those kind of emotions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably, she's released those, she's released the things that she probably would have probably had attachments to on this mortal realm. <laughs> probably by by now. Um, but yeah, so what, what other things do you feel that you're grateful to have had them in your, in your life? What were some of the things you learned from Sammy and from Matt? I think from Sammy, I definitely learned how to really celebrate my gifts. I think she definitely taught me that because she was always like my biggest cheerleader. Hmm. And with Matt, I think I just learned that, um, you know, if just because a, a uh, romantic relationship doesn't work out, you know, you, the love that you have, it can always remain, you know, platonic in a friendship. So beautiful. And they, they were both so lucky to have you also as their friend. And they're still very lucky to have you sharing their, their story and their gifts also to others. Um, so thank you for continuing their, their legacy and, and sharing their life. So thank you and for and for sharing a little bit about them on here. Is there anything else that you wanted to say that I might have not asked? 
Um, I think that's all. And thank you for letting me talk about them. It's it's it has been a while. Right? <laughs> Yes, yes it, it, there's a cleansing component to it, and that's yeah that it it um it, and a lot of it yeah that's why I even do this for myself too. Like when I'm mm -hmm. having these podcasts, hearing other people's stories, uh, reminiscing even on some of the things that I relate to what they're sharing. It there is really mm -hmm. like this, uh, yeah. It, it it is part of that mourning kind of process as well, and and it it, it helps. It's um. Yeah, I don't know if cleansing is the word I feel like <laughs> more relates yes. to that aspect. But <laughs> and, and there's a comfort to talk to somebody that can relate to some extent right. in what you're going through. So, um, and, yes. and all the listeners will relate. And I'm sure a lot of times people, when they're listening, they might have not had somebody very, you know, like a parent or something like that pass away. But a lot of us do have friends. It's some of my first grief experience. No, my first grief experiences were all friends so I mm. I know that that is still really um hard process so um so anyway yes. but thank you so much for sharing and um and I know that a lot of the listeners will be able to relate to your journey thank you my dear thank you again thank you again so much for choosing to listen today I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.